0: Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up-to-date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts that guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by sponsors like Johnsonville Foods, SwineWeb.com, Swine Robotics, innovative heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth, and Swine Tech, the award-winning creator of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how you can reduce piglet crushing and your overall pre-winning mortalities by nearly 25%, visit swinetechnologies.com.
1: Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Roda, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about the lingering effects of the COVID pandemic with Mr. Drew Mogler. How are you doing today, Drew?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here today.
1: No, it's a real pleasure to have you on the Popular Pig Podcast, and I'm excited to talk about the industry and what COVID, the election, and 2021 looks like for our industry. If you wouldn't mind starting off, though, by introducing your background and how you got involved with the pork industry, that'd be really good. Yeah,
2: you bet. I'd be happy to. So, I've been on staff with the Iowa Pork Producers for about four years now, um, and I've kind of had various different roles within the organization during my time here. But I grew up in uh, Iowa uh, on my family's farm up in far northwest Iowa, Lyon County. Uh, My family has a fair to finish swine operation up there. Uh, We raise feeder cattle as well as uh, row crop corn and soybeans. And so that's really where, you know, my passion for the industry and, and um, kind of where I cut my teeth in the pig business came from is growing up on my family's farm. Um, after I graduated high school, I went to Iowa State University and I studied ag business and economics up there. And, and during my time at Iowa State, I had a really good opportunity to be involved with different internships. Um, I worked for uh, Pipestone System for a summer and, and worked in, in production Uh, And a couple different sow farms for them. I spent a summer with the Iowa Pork Producers Association uh, in their public policy intern role. And I actually got to spend part of my summer out in Washington, D.C., in Senator Chuck Grassley's office, uh, working on different ag policy issues with his staff. And then I also had an opportunity to work with uh, Elanco Animal Health for a summer as well. So I had a lot of different areas of the pork industry that I, um, you know, was exposed to during my time at Iowa State. Uh, But when I graduated, uh, there was an opportunity with the Pork Producers Association uh, to start with them. And so I initially started doing producer education work uh, very closely with the Iowa State University Extension and Outreach folks on putting together resources and information for producers um, and then I I led our producer outreach and uh, leadership development programs at Iowa Pork for about a year, and then about two years ago I stepped into the public policy role, um, and so I've been there ever since. And really have really enjoyed um, being in this role, an opportunity to kind of you know share the story of what pork producers are doing on their farm with folks uh, in government, both here in the state of Iowa and in Washington D.C. Um, and so it's been a it's been a very fun experience for me and I've really enjoyed being able to advocate on behalf of Iowa pig farmers.
1: And would you mind elaborating a little bit more or two on your, your role as the director of the Iowa Pork Produce Association for Public Policy? I, I'm I'm real interested and fascinated to what a normal day might look like for you.
2: Yeah yeah Um, you know there is no normal day for the most part and uh, a lot of it depends on what the issue of the day is, but really, um, I, I oversee um, our organization's relationship with um, our state government partners, whether that be uh, the Iowa Department of Agriculture, the Iowa Department of Natural Resources, uh, develop relationships with folks um, in, in the governor's office here in Des Moines. Um, and then when the state legislature is in town, um, you know for a few months at the beginning of the year during a legislative session i um, I'm up there uh, up at the state house regularly uh, keeping an eye on different issues uh, sitting in on subcommittee meetings committee hearings um, and talking to legislators about different pieces of legislation that may be moving and um, you know letting them know which pieces of legislation we support and a lot of times what pieces of legislation that we don't support and would not like to, um, you know, see pushed through. So uh, from a state side uh, perspective, that's that's what i mostly do um, when our state legislature is in session. Um, the rest of the other times of the year, um, I focus a lot on our federal policy uh, relationship. Uh, and a lot of that is building Um, rapport with folks in our congressional offices out in Washington, D.C. Um, So a lot of times I'm on the phone or trading emails with um, the staff in those offices about different issues that are important to pork producers. Um, And then also I I oversee our environmental uh, programs as well. So in the state of Iowa, there's a lot of rules and regulations about Uh, where and how barns can be built and sited, as well as uh, the management of manure nutrients and how and where they can be applied. So um, I also work with Iowa State University, um, our commodity group partners with the Corn Growers Association, Soybean Association, the Iowa Farm Bureau, uh, on different water quality efforts In the state of Iowa as well. Um, And so that's probably one of the areas where I do spend a lot of time outside of the legislature is working with um, those other commodity organizations so that when it does come to uh, progressing water quality issues in the state and scaling up the pace and scale of conservation efforts um, across Iowa is that we're all working together on that. So that that's kind of the you know basic outline of my my duties and roles here. But but honestly, you know, it's it's whatever issues are important to pork producers uh, here now are the things that uh, I devote a lot of my time to. And so um, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about here, you know, when COVID really fired up here in the U.S. and in Iowa this year, um, that was a lot of what I worked on on uh, working with folks in government and state agencies and other commodity organizations of making sure that pork producers were going to be prepared to uh, manage through um, some of the issues that we dealt with.
1: No, I guess in light of COVID and and this podcast, we started this podcast nearly at the beginning of this pandemic and had the opportunity of talking with Dr. Gordon Spronk of Pipestone, talking with... Kevin Ladwig of Johnsonville Foods, Phil Horde of Horde Family Farms, and individuals from Ireland and Spain throughout the pandemic, which are in prior episodes. But I thought it'd be really good to take the time to speak with you, wrap it all up, and get a view of what has has – if you could take us through the stages of what COVID looked like for a pork producer in 2020, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah, so I think if you look back, you know, even in the – First part of January of the first part of the year, January February um, is when you know the, we really started seeing uh, marketplace disruptions, whether that be with you know different export um, you know shipments and stuff like that being delayed at ports and other parts of the world. Um, you know sometimes it was supplies on pig farms, whether it was or, or you know are you able to get access to um, you know, latex gloves or breeding rods or or different supplies on the farm. Um, you know, as we started seeing disruptions there, and then of course we started uh, when when the country started to lock down the economy in certain areas, we saw a lot of volatility in the marketplace, and that's when you know our our packing and processing industry had to start. Uh, you know switching more to retail offerings rather than restaurant and food service offerings and then when we get into april and may is when we started seeing outbreaks in some of our pork processing plants and that's when producers really had the biggest impact on their operations and and some of them you know were were not able to market their animals and and really the disruption of the supply chain on the farm was kind of reaching its max and so we saw that you know uh, play out through April and May and then in June and July is when we kind of started working through that and and folks were working as hard as possible through the summer months to try to get back to current marketing pace as best as they could. Um, so that was kind of what the uh, you know pork industry was going through. Um, throughout that time, my role in working with folks mostly out of Washington, D.C., was um, getting relief money or different, um, you know, as, as these as these COVID relief packages were moving through Congress, making sure that those programs, whether it be the Paycheck Protection Program or some of those other small business administration, emergency loan programs, those were kind of the first um relief packages and programs to roll out, make sure farmers were able to access them. And then later on, uh, as USDA was rolling out its relief programs through the coronavirus food assistance program, that pork producers were able to access those programs. Um, And so that was probably where the peak of my uh, interaction with folks out in Washington, D.C. was anyway, was Um, you know, constantly providing feedback to those folks about this is what's working, this isn't what's working, we need to be able to make these programs uh, more accessible to farmers. Here are some of the issues that, you know, folks are running into uh, with with these different programs. So, um, you know, today, I think from a a marketing standpoint uh, and supply chain standpoint, that pork producers are about as current as they're going to be in working through backed up hogs. Um you know, we still see a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace with uh, when will we ever get back to normal on restaurant and food service demand here in the U.S.? Uh, obviously, we're seeing, you know, some states and por- portions of the country are going back down into lockdown. So that's going to create some more uncertainty um, you know, I think our biggest fear going here into the winter months is, is are we going to go through a second phase of disruptions at packing plants? And um, I think that, um, you know, the, the processing and packing sector has become very uh, smart about what they went through in March, April, May, and will be much better prepared to be able to deal with that. And I think they've, they've, put in a ton of steps and safety measures to make sure that that is as minimal as possible. Um, but that's kind of how I see how this has really impacted producers throughout uh, the, throughout the year.
1: I guess when looking at some of the work you did with the government through all of this, there was a lot of a lot of help that uh, that you were all able to provide for producers. What was the one thing? That, what was the big win you think that was delivered to pork producers through everything uh, and support from the government? And what was the one thing that we didn't necessarily get that we wish we could have gotten?
2: Yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing was that the government realized how essential pork producers and really all of agriculture was to the supply chain, uh, and and keeping. Uh, You know, food on grocery store shelves or or making access to people for people to access food. Um, Probably the biggest win, I would say, is the um, Trump administration invoking the Defense Production Act. Um, That's not something that is done very easily. Um, But really, what that did was send a message that, um, you know, the, 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 federal government was ready and willing to step in to make sure that um, that supply chain was going to continue to run. Um, Now, fortunately, I think that the packers and processors were able to work with state public health officials, CDC folks to be able to get back opened up without really having to exercise that power uh, really all that much. But that was a huge win uh, for our industry to be able to say that if we don't, uh, you know, figure out how to make our supply chain work, um, you know, we're going to be facing some very very dire consequences um, on pig farms across the U.S. uh, when it comes to backed up animals on the farm, Um, and so that was probably the biggest win that that I think, um, you know, we saw as far as maybe what we could have seen or, or, you know, wish we would have had, um, you know, I think that all things considered, the government was able to roll out COVID relief fairly quickly. I don't think the relief that was specifically targeted to farmers came as quickly as what we wished it would have been. Um, And obviously, this is, you know, very much an unprecedented situation that USDA and and other agencies, you know, probably weren't thinking about going into 2020 that they were going to have to put some sort of program together to roll out to uh, producers. And so, you know, I can sympathize with them for that. But for the most part, livestock producers. Um, and and pork producers aren't used to working with USDA Farm Service Agency on applying for different, um, you know, government programs. And so um, that was probably the biggest learning curve that producers have had to deal with, um, really starting with some of the market facilitation programs back in 2018 and 2019 and, and then coronavirus food assistance programs in 2020 is just being able to get folks at USDA to understand really how complex um, our business is. Um, a lot of these programs were very much tailored towards folks that just had row crop uh, businesses and um, they didn't really understand how complex pork producers structure their businesses and um, you know, whether it's, you know, different partners, uh, different uh, families working together, transition plans, things like that, um, you know, I, I, that was probably the one thing I, I think we could have uh, done better is, is, you know, have, have USDA better positioned to be able to help uh, pork producers from that standpoint. But overall, um, I think at the end of the day, they were able to put together, you know, these programs as best as they were able to.
1: You had mentioned in an interview, uh, most uh, quite recently, that marketplace certainty is what what producers are looking for the most. What does that mean in this industry, and uh, how likely is it in twenty twenty one?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, in any business, you have to make decisions every day, right? And and so, um, it's hard to make decisions when you know you don't. Things are constantly changing. So, marketplace certainty certainty helps producers make those changes. And whether it's, you know, I need to I need to remodel this um, this this hog barn, or I'm thinking about putting up a different barn, or I'm thinking about making improvements here or there to their business, they have to figure out where they're going to deploy capital, where are they going to focus their efforts. Um, and when things are constantly changing, it makes it harder for them to make those decisions. So um you know that's why pork producers when they talk to when we talk to pork producers about you know what what helps you make those decisions it's marketplace certainty um, you know that helps with their conversations with the lender it helps their conversation with their veterinarians um, and so um, you know that that's a lot of what it really is is just you know, we're not going to see as much volatility in the marketplace, or we kind of know what demand looks like for the next couple of years. Those are some of those kind of macro level issues that I think producers are, are tuned into. Um, and so, you know, how likely is it that producers have, you know, marketplace certainty in 2021? Um, you know, I, I hope we have more. I hope that, you um, You know, some of the disruptions we experienced in 2020 from the pandemic, uh, we won't see those play as heavily in 2021. Um, I think that uh, what we've seen with export markets this last year, hopefully, um, are going to be able to carry over into future years as well. Um, One of the biggest issues that causes uncertainty in our market is the threat of foreign animal diseases. And so, you know, Iowa Pork has been very, very engaged in um, being proactive with pork producers, with um, our, our partners at the Iowa Department of Ag uh, here in uh, the state of Iowa, along with the state veterinarian and USDA APHIS on making sure that we have plans uh, in place to prevent animal animal diseases, but we also have plans in place to be prepared in case they ever do make it to our shores. So um, those are the things that we as an organization can work on to help producers have more certainty uh, as they are making businesses.
1: Gotcha. What, uh, uh, What steps are the Iowa Corporate Association taking to help make 2021 a great year for producers?
2: Yeah, so, you know, the things I talked about on foreign animal diseases is is certainly one thing. We have a foreign animal disease task force that's made up of veterinarians um, in the industry, pork producers in the industry, uh, allied industry folks uh, that are all engaged in that. the other thing I think is from the policy standpoint of making sure that, you know, Um, rules and regulations that aren't going to come on to pork producers. That's going to make, uh, you know, making business decisions harder. Uh, Every year up at the Iowa State House, um, there are bills that are introduced that would put more rules and regulations on pork producers as it pertains to building new barns, managing manure, things like that. And so a lot of times, um, you know, our job is to stop those rules and regulations from uh, coming into place because we believe that it's going to just create more uncertainty for producers. It it creates more things that producers um, are, are going to have to comply with when we already have a lot of rules and regulations that pertain to our industry. I think from a federal standpoint, um, you know, we need to continue to. Um, work on developing markets for our products, uh, whether that be domestically or internationally. Um, And so with an incoming, you know, a new incoming administration this next year, um, you know, there's going to be opportunities, I think, for our organization to advocate for more of those types of policies where we can grow export markets, where we can put more things in place to keep foreign animal diseases out of our country um, and and make sure that, you know, whatever policies do come out of Washington, D.C. In, in the coming years is that they're not going to be onerous and, um, you know, restrict business or, or the freedom for producers to uh, be in business uh, in the state of Iowa.
1: So it's kind of a uh, pushy a bit here. <laughs> Uh, When we look at the election that just took place, if we assume a Joe Biden presidency, what does that mean for pork producers? Um, What might be some opportunities? What are some of the things we should look out for and be prepared for?
2: Yeah, I think one of the biggest opportunities uh, for this administration would be to uh, go go back and take a look at uh, some of the trade agreements that, uh, you know, President-elect of Biden was involved with when he was in the Obama administration. Our industry was very, very supportive of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and as you know, uh, during the 2016 election, that that agreement became uh, came under a lot of criticism from both sides of the aisle, and, and ultimately, I think, largely, um, the Democrats uh, started. Criticizing that agreement more when uh, then candidate Trump was really levying a lot of criticisms against it. But that continues to be a huge opportunity uh, to get involved in some emerging markets in Southeast Asia um, that other countries now have a competitive advantage over the United States in some of those countries to this day. So for us to be able to open that agreement back up and have the United States at the table with those other countries would be a huge opportunity for us. I think probably the other big issue that we're going to really keep an eye on is that if you look at some of these transition documents and mem- memos that have come out of the Biden camp, is that everything is going to be um, uh, centered around climate change and and, and uh, policies around that. And so Um, we are going to have to have a seat at the table to make sure that farmers um, are able to participate in those conversations of what those policies look like. Um, And so um, agriculture has a good opportunity to be part of the solution um, in some of those conversations. Uh, But if we aren't at the table to talk about what that looks like um, I'm afraid it could be dictated to us either through the government or through the marketplace. And so uh, that's a pretty tall task, but it's, it's one that I think that uh, we need to participate in.
1: Understood. And thank you for sharing your insights and perspective on that and everything around the COVID pandemic. And thanks for all the hard work that you and everybody else at the Iowa Pork Produce Association are putting in to help support producers, not only in Iowa, but in the United States and uh and everything we're doing to help feed the world i really thank you for joining the popular pig podcast before i have you go would you be able to share one golden nugget for all of our listeners
2: yeah i, I think one of the um one of the cool things that iowa pork has done uh, this year um throughout all of the uncertainty is i mean we, we definitely did a lot of work with Uh, you know, different government folks uh, and pork producers to help work through these disruptions um, that we saw on farms. But the other thing that we made, made sure we focused on as well is that there's a lot of folks in the state of Iowa that, you know, also experienced the effects of this pandemic in their personal lives as well. And so just through different programs we uh, were involved with. One of our major ones was Pass the Pork. A lot of our county organizations stepped up and, and donated food to um, their local food pantries, or whether it was uh, giving meals to uh, frontline workers, healthcare workers, things like that. Is, is we had supplied, uh, by my rough estimate, of, of a, a little over 600,000 meals. Uh, This year to different folks in need across the state of Iowa. Um, So, you know, while we are focused on making sure pork producers are positioned to be successful into the future, um, you know, this was also a good opportunity for us to get involved with our communities, whether that be here in Des Moines or, or pork producers across rural communities across the state of Iowa, and let them know that pig farmers do care about their communities as well. Um, and so that's that's another thing that uh, I'm really proud about this industry is that uh, we're always happy to step up and help out others, you know, even though we've got plenty of things on our plate as well.
1: 600,000 meals is really impressive when you consider the whole state 3 million people. So congratulations on that achievement and thank you for your servitude to the entire um, state of Iowa.
2: You bet. No, it was, it was Happy to come on and talk about this. Really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you again. And uh, I really, really appreciate it.
2: All right. Thanks, Matthew.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. Therefore, if you enjoyed this episode, Please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com and subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. Today's episode is brought to you by sponsors like SwineTech. Leverage the power of computer vision, voice recognition, and real-time behavioral monitoring to reduce mortalities and labor inefficiencies in the farrowing house. For more information, visit swinetechnologies.com.